This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Rosewater. Yes. Uh, was there any reason this was on your mind, Lauren? Ah, uh, well, um, as we have mentioned, and you probably have noticed, the holiday season is upon us. Um, and mm-hmm. that always reminds me of Turkish Delight. And uh, my favorite type of Turkish Delight is, in fact, made with rose flavoring. And so I was like, rose water. What's up with that? <laughs> A lot, it turns out. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I actually have a huge thing of rose water. I feel like it only comes in huge yeah. amounts. Like even the small bottles, the like hot sauce size bottles are huge amounts of rose water for the amount that you use. Exactly. I think I I think I ordered it online and I've made this mistake several times yeah. where I feel like I know what the size is and mm. then it comes. And, and you're like, like oh, oh my heck. God. Okay. But I needed it for some specific cocktail I was making, I believe for work. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough, our jobs are interesting, but uh-huh. it, it's a huge thing of rose oh, water. Wow. So I'm glad to be diving into this. Hopefully, listeners can write in more recipes I could use it for because it's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like all the recipes that I run into these days with it are sweet recipes, but I'm really mm. curious about how to incorporate it into more savory things. I read a couple recipes for like for like yogurt-based dips, like kind of spicy yeah. yogurt-based dips with it, but... Um, yeah, like, I don't know, like, can you put it in a marinade? Would that be good? Maybe. I don't know. I think so. I, I read some things that I was like, okay, I wouldn't have thought of this, but I can see that working. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and I will. But again, yes. Oh, well, A, a right in all the time. Yeah, I was, I yes. was also going to say that, yeah, I picked up a spice blend from one of the local shops uh, that, oh, and now I'm forgetting the, the name of the brand, so I'm fired. Sorry, I apologize. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it definitely has like like a mixture of um, 
cinnamon and rose petals and uh, and a bunch of uh, and like cloves and a few other things that I was like I need to try that right now. Um, it's my favorite thing to sprinkle a little bit on like uh, peanut butter and toast. Ooh. Oh no. <laughs> 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 you bring in peanut butter into the game, Lauren. I don't know what I'm going to do without you planted this thought in my head. Oh, okay. Oh, well. All right. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Welcome back from... No, okay. <laughs> it was clearly okay. just a journey for you. <laughs> it was. All of these pathways opened up in my brain. Uh, yes. Uh, for past episodes related to this, you can see the one we did on Turkish Delight. Marzipan? Uh, vanilla sure. plays into this one a lot, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. Also, episodes that we've done that involve distillery, um, such as mm-hmm. bourbon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gin and tonic. I I don't I don't know what episodes we've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those those seem right. Um <laughs> This is also like one of our last recordings of the year in theory. So uh-huh. it's got that very end of the school year vibe. Oh, yeah. Me. Yeah. My brain is in 17 different places right now. As mm-hmm. I as I was telling Annie right before we started recording, I've been invited this evening, a Wednesday, to a formal wear potluck. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how it's going to be great. It is. It is. Um, and who knows, you might encounter rose water <laughs> in some variety. <laughs> it's a possibility. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, um, does that, in fact, bring us to our question? <laughs> might as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> rose water. What is it? Well, uh, rose water is a type of extract of rose petals used as a flavoring for all sorts of dishes and drinks, um, and for non-culinary purposes as well, Uh, but we're hypothetically a food show. Uh, Its flavor can vary a little because, you know, rose is a natural product and different formulas are going to be stronger or softer, Uh, but you're basically looking at the, the velvety, heady scent of roses in full bloom with a little bit of like musky earthiness. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It's used mostly in stuff like creamy things, uh, sweetened baked goods, candies, frozen desserts, and sweetened beverages to add complexity and a little bit of a like a floral spice. Yeah. Um, It's like a, it's like sticking your head in a bouquet of roses and then you eat them. Um, (laughs) It's like if your food went to a perfumery, um, it's it's like a touch of like heady summer magic in whatever it touches. Oh, <laughs> rose water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, this is not a rose episode. But very basically, roses are the flowers of any number of wild or cultivated plants in the genus Rosa. Cultivated varieties have been developed for their big, beautiful, fragrant blooms. Uh, Floral and musky and kind of citrusy, spicy, yeah. Um, Although all rose blossoms are edible, some are definitely tastier than others because some have been developed for looking pretty and some have been developed for smelling pretty, yeah. Uh, The petals of roses contain a number of volatile essential oils. Uh, That is, naturally occurring plant-based smelly oil stuff. Okay. 
Um, those oils are relatively expensive because it takes a lot of roses to get a little bit of oil. Though the resulting oil is pretty strong uh, and is used mostly in perfumery and other cosmetics. But to get that oil out of roses, especially on a commercial scale, you have to distill them out. So, right, everything has a boiling point, okay? Uh, a point at which whatever liquid stuff will vaporize. And that boiling point differs slightly for pretty much everything. You can use this science fact to separate out all kinds of interesting things from their original sources just by boiling those sources in water. Um, like you can get the ethanol out of a grain and fruit mash and concentrate it into liquor. Or you can get the flavors out of juniper and citrus peel and anise, etc., in order to flavor gin. Distillation is, is heating stuff in or with water to the boiling point of whatever you're interested in, and then collecting the vapors and cooling them back into a liquid. When you do this with rose petals, you get a mixture of water and rose oils. Because oils and water don't like each other, the oils separate out and can be easily filtered or redistilled, leaving you with a colorless water that still contains like an impressively strong punch of rosiness. And you can do this at home. Um, you know, check the internet for recipes, but basically you can set up a system to collect the vapor from simmering and or steaming petals. Um, or you can just simmer and strain the petals in water and, and use the resulting like rose tea, though that'll be less strong and will lose its flavor more quickly. Uh, and yeah, it, it tastes like roses smell. Um, and it can add just this really beautiful note into anything from cookies and cakes to pastries, like maybe baklava, to lemonade or soft drinks, to a glass of milk or a lassi or a pudding or ice cream, or to candies like Turkish Delight or breath mints. It's also great in, um, in yeah, in, in, in yogurt dips or other savory things. I've heard more historical notes about savory recipes than I've seen modern recipes for rose water that are savory, but I don't know. Y'all tell us. Please do. Yeah. I've got a huge bottle to use up, <laughs> so please do. And I prefer savory things to sweet things. So, so. here we are. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I will say that if you're going to try using it at home, um, start with like less than you think you'll need in any given recipe. Like a quarter teaspoon will probably do you for most things that you want to do with it. Um, it, it can be very potent, um, especially if you're not used to it. And the line between like, oh, this is fun and like, oh, this is soap um, is really easy to trip over. Yeah. And I found it really interesting to read about that because most of my experiences with rose water, it is a very light flavor, mm -hmm. um, a very kind of lovely light flavor. Uh, but I did read a lot of accounts of people having not that experience of it being <laughs> like a very cloying flavor, but also just having the experience of, uh, and this is like their words, not mine, but it, associating it with like their grandmother's perfumes. Sure. Yeah. So they didn't, it just turned they, them off of yeah, eating they, something. They didn't want to eat it because it tasted like grandma. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all know grandma got ran over by reindeer and who knows what happened after that. <laughs> um, no, I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, <laughs> what about the nutrition? 
Um, uh, you're generally not consuming enough rose water for it to be nutritionally um, substantive. But there are all kinds of health claims out there about rose water when applied to the skin or ingested. It does contain compounds with potentially beneficial properties like anti-inflammation, antifungal, antiviral properties. Um, more, more research needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some numbers for you. A few, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, rose water is considered a, an important economic product or like byproduct in places where roses grow well. And that's because... Out of a kilo of rose petals, you can get about a kilo of rose water. In contrast, you have to use about 4,000 kilos of rose petals to get a single kilo of rose oil. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, as of 2017, nearly half the global market for rose water was devoted to cosmetic uses. Um, less than a quarter was devoted to food and beverages. But food and beverages is an expanding category, and as of 2023, the global market for rose water was worth about half a billion dollars um, and is expected to double in the next decade. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting in the history because rose water once was much more ubiquitous, especially here in the U.S. Oh, yeah. uh, Than it is now, and it... There was a turn, and it's just kind of fascinating. Yeah, floral flavors in general, um, and and you can still find in some European products like orange blossom water and violet much more prevalently than you do here. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, really fell out of fashion. As so, yes, we are going to get into that history. But first, we're going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. (laughs) I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip together. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. 
Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No Me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsors. Yes, thank you. So, yes, reminder. We have to remind ourselves every now and then. But this <laughs> is a food show. Ostensibly. Uh-huh. Ostensibly, though the line between flowers and food can be blurry. And you can see some of our past episodes around something like marigolds. Oh, uh, sure. For instance, to look more into that. Uh, but uh, roses are very, very, very old. Um, I actually, I love the history of flowers. I love, like, the language of flowers. Oh, yeah. This was a really hard one for me to be, like, stay <laughs> on task. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it is worth mentioning that the the flower itself, the rose, has a history of being prized since ancient times. Um, the fossil record suggests it is one of our oldest flowers. It has been cultivated in China for over 5,000 years. Um, in 500 BCE, Confucius wrote about them in regards to the imperial gardens and wrote that the emperor's libraries held hundreds of books on the subjects of roses. I don't know, but... <laughs> That's what I yeah. read. Uh-huh. Um, at one time, there were so many gardens dedicated to roses in China that they threatened the food supply, and the emperor had to order some of them to be destroyed. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, the flowers started appearing in paintings very early on, um, and during lavish feasts or celebrations, rose petals were scattered. We still see that to this day, which I mm-hmm. find fascinating. Oh, yeah. Um, Greek mythology tells the story of the goddess of beauty, Aphrodite, uh, who honored her son Eros by naming the flower after his name. So rearranging by one letter, which I never picked up on. But I that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's something I would pull. Um, Eris, hmm. Eros later gave the rose as a bribe to the god of silence so that this god would keep quiet about the weakness of all the gods. Oh. And some think this is at least in part why roses came to symbolize beauty and love. And I read secrecy. I've never associated roses with secrecy, but sure. Um, maybe I'm yeah. just not running in the right circles or know. the wrong circles. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but okay. So we've got these flowers. We've got these flowers that people seem to really like. Um, In the early days, ancient Persians figured out that they could distill the flowers with water or steam to create rose water. And it became pretty popular in that area for all kinds of things. Uh, For instance, rose water has a centuries-long history of being used medicinally. Um, Also in cosmetics and perfumes, places in the Middle East and Western Asia used it culinarily to flavor dishes. Um, and it was highly prized for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, the ancient Romans used it as sort of an early air freshener for their homes and as part of skincare routines, perhaps even in religious ceremonies. I believe we've talked about this in some, one of those dessert episodes that involved rose water. Um, mm, sure. Yes. Uh, legend has it that Cleopatra's ship was scented with rose water and perhaps that she even bathed in it. Uh, Shakespeare later wrote about this anecdote, legend, uh, quote, the very winds were lovesick. Huh. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> Greek physician Galen described a cosmetic recipe in 200 CE that contained rose water. 
Many sources also claim that during the heyday of building mosque in Baghdad, the builders mixed rose water and musk into the mortar paste so that the scent would be released under the new d- noonday rays oh, wow. hmm. of the sun. Yeah, I'm not. I've read that in several places, but uh, who knows? <laughs> um, Rosewater was thought to be a cure for depression during the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. People continued to use it for its scent as well in bathwater and in early forms of hand soap called hand water. Um, It was a favorite amongst European royalty of the time as well, who used it to perfume their rooms, their clothes, their foods. And historians believe that the Persians were some of the first to really dive into the culinary possibilities of this ingredient. Um, Some of the earliest recipes for rose water do come out of this region, dating back to the height of the Arab Empire around the 8th to 11th century CE. Um, They might have mixed rose water with mutton fat and added the resulting mixture to a dish as a seasoning or something to add dimension. It also ended up in several desserts, many on the lighter side, including marzipan. They used the ingredient to sweeten drinks and flavor desserts, but yeah, in savory dishes as a seasoning too. Um, And as traders from the region traveled further east, people in India started to incorporate this ingredient into drinks like lassi and desserts like gulab jamun, as well as using it medicinally. Uh, During Turkey's Ottoman Empire, it became a popular flavoring in Turkish delight. Fragrant roses from this area made their way north to Bulgaria sometime in the 15 or 1600s, and specifically to this one area in the Balkan Mountains, now known as the Valley of Roses. Because over the next few centuries, roses and rose water became this important regional product especially as locals had and or developed knowledge of distillation through brandy production. Oh. Um, well, the English developed a taste for rose water when they encountered it during the Crusades of the 12th and 13th centuries. So once they got back to England, they started making their own by steeping rose petals in water. Um, then, when the English set sail for America, they brought their taste for rose water with them. And it was a favorite ingredient in the U.S. by the 18th century. It showed up in books like 1796's American Cookery by Amelia Simmons. Simmons recommended it in pies, cookies, cakes, puddings, custards, tarts, and drinks. And hers was by no means the only cookbook that touted the various uses of rose water. It was incredibly popular, um, once more popular than vanilla is in the U.S. today. Yeah, so many desserts called for it, and furthermore called for it to taste, indicating that this was a a common ingredient that folks were very familiar with. Like pound cake, put some rose water in it. Gingerbread, that has rose water, of course. Um, It helped that this was a product that you could make yourself or buy locally anywhere that roses grew, Um, unlike still expensive at the time, spice trade spices. Right. So, yes. Um, Speaking of, as more and more Americans became familiar with vanilla, taste and preferences started to shift away from rose water to this, quote, novel ingredient. Um, Vanilla was very, very expensive at the time, though. So much so, it was pretty much out of the reach for those who were not in the upper class. But this changed in 1841 when an enslaved 12-year-old named Edmund Albius from what was then called Ile Bourbon discovered a way to speed up the pollination of the vanilla orchid. 
This boosted the production of vanilla, and it lowered the price, and it made it more available to the average person. And so now more widely available, um, not as expensive, rose water took the backseat to vanilla uh, as it rose in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fanny Farmers, 1896, Boston Cooking School cookbook called for rose water and frosting, but only if you wanted it to be tinted pink. Um, Vanilla, however, took the place rose water had previously held in her dessert recipe. So it kind of moved to like more of a coloring Mm-hmm. item yeah. as opposed to a flavoring which, item. Which if it's distilled, it's not going to have a color to it. So this would be a particular type of steeped rose water that is right. presumably homemade. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, rose water really faded out culinarily. It became much more associated with toiletries, perfumes, and cosmetics. Um, however, <laughs> Rosewater has been experiencing a bit of a renaissance in the U.S. as of late. And it was kind of interesting to read because if you didn't know the history of Rosewater and how it used to be so common in the U.S., um, it just feels like people are sort of missing a context and yeah. Rosewater has become the novel thing that Manila <laughs> yeah. once was <laughs> to them. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I love those patterns of of, of popularity and taste. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've, I would say it's mostly in desserts and cocktails here in the U.S. Uh, obviously, listeners, if you're from somewhere else, please write in. If you oh, have yeah. any recipes or knowledge of this from anywhere you are, uh, please let us know. <laughs> of course. But it, it was just an interesting story of another ingredient that kind of completely faded away <laughs> uh-huh. for a minute here and is now coming back and people are like, where is like, this Like, what is this? <laughs> exactly. We've never seen this before. How strange. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you you might not have, but your great-grandmother yeah. might have. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, please write in. But that is what we have to say about Rosewater for now. It is. Uh, we do already have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. 
But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with a listener. (laughs) I have had one of my favorite karaoke go-to songs, (laughs) Kiss from a Rose. Stuck in my head <laughs> since we started doing this. Wow, dude. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Which brings us to this little <laughs> note. Um, Lauren was very kind uh, and came on to the other show I do, Stepmom Never Told You, to talk about Holiday Classic, which you could argue <laughs> that Batman movie was as well, uh, Die Hard. <laughs> and it was a very fun episode. We have a great conversation. Um, thank you. Oh, for thank, on. thank you for the opportunity to talk about Die Hard. Always, always, always happy to do it. It it felt very silly, and I think that's how it comes <laughs> off. And so if that's something that you need in your life right now, I recommend going and checking that out. Yes, that is on Stuff Mom Never Told You. And thank you. Thank you, Annie and, and Sam, um, for, for having me on. Oh, yeah. It was a blast. I think you you listeners would love it. So <laughs> go check it out. Yeah. Um, we do have some messages from listeners already. I have to say, we got a lot of notes about Pizzelle. Um Excellent. I know. It's great. I love it. People answered our call <laughs> about the presses and the recipes. So we got a couple of those coming up, but please keep them coming. Um, starting with Tyler. Tyler wrote... I got a notification today from Spotify on your latest episode, which was Pizzelle, and I immediately sent it to my mom. My mom has been making Pizzelle for years with a recipe from a neighbor from her childhood neighborhood. She has her own Pizzelle maker, and I cannot tell you how good Pizzelles are. The recipe is straightforward, and after you mix all the ingredients, you put it on the Pizzelle maker, and then in seconds, you have Pizzelle. Okay, so the recipe does look pretty simple. Um, and it's on a, like, really nice recipe card, which I love. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little um, just hand-printed on a recipe card, which is my favorite thing, yeah. I love it. I love it. My mom has these, too. Um, so it's six eggs, one cup sugar, two cups flour, two tablespoons anise, one cup oil, one teaspoon baking powder. Um, yeah. Sounds simple enough. We just have to get a press. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All he right. is. <laughs> Savor themed <laughs> press. <laughs> Ooh, can we get our own press printed? Uh all right, all right. Let's yes. projects for the future. Uh mm-hmm. thank thank you for recipes. Oh my goodness, thank you. Yes. Okay. Uh Bradley wrote. I just listened to your episode about three meals a day, and it reminded me of my time living in Finland with a Finnish host family for a summer. 
Their meal routine was so different from any other one I've experienced, so I wanted to send you a quick note about what it was like. Okay, meal one. Around 8 to 9 a.m., there would be breads, jams, and sometimes cheese on the breakfast table, a generally light meal. Meal two? There wasn't really ever a lunch lunch, which was very difficult for me to adjust to, but if we did, it was usually an ice cream cone or a sausage or a very small snack. Meal three. Around 4 p.m., we would have dinner, usually boiled potatoes and some type of fish as the main dish. Sometimes it was a grainy stew with a, with a red lingonberry-like jam. Interlude 1. Around 6 to 7 p.m., we would use the sauna in their house. Uh, they also had an outdoor sauna. Then meal 4. After the sauna, there was a second dinner, to my surprise. This would be alcohol, fish pies, sausages, a really heavy foods, apparently, to replenish you after sweating it all out. Interlude 2. Around 11 p.m., we would go out for a fishing trip because the sun was still up and beginning to set. Meal 5. Around 12.15 a.m., we have a thermos of fresh berry juice and a rye bread sandwich with butter and other fillings. A few hours later, the sun rose, though the sky always looked like it was at sunset. I'm not certain if this was standard for all Finnish families, but the other people with host families in that region also had similar eating schedules. At the time, it was difficult to adjust to, but I'm glad I had the experience. I love this. Wow, that's so cool. Oh, humans, what are we getting up to? All kinds of different things. I love this because to me, this sounds like the most luxurious vacation (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm taking a sauna, I'm going fishing, I'm watching that. But I get like if it if I lived there, it wouldn't feel that way. Oh, sure, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this is a great point because I think in our three days, three meals a day, we focus really on Western, like U.S. Oh, yeah. Uh, meal culture. So I would love if other listeners would write in. Uh, and And I know we've heard from some of you and read some of those letters already, but I would love to hear from more of you about this particular setup about where where how it's like where you are because I the idea it is hard to adjust for me just to think of like okay so I'm gonna have like an ice cream cone at 11 like I don't know it's just (laughs) again if I lived there it wouldn't feel that way necessarily but it's fascinating yeah yeah and I right like I'm 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 hypoglycemic so like I kind of eat every two hours no matter what like I that Mm -hmm. is that is what whatever else is going on like I'm eating something and it's usually not a lot um left to my own devices I never really eat a full meal necessarily just like kind of Mm -hmm. snacking constantly um but so so in that way I could see this working out for me but (laughs) uh, in the other way I'm like no 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 I need to have some kind of heavy or something been an ice cream cone <laughs> before 4 p.m. Um, right. Because otherwise I will murder everybody and eat their eyeballs and nobody wants that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Definitely no. Probably not, yeah. Um, but it is also interesting to think of how I like how you included the sauna. Yeah. Um, because th- that plays the role in, okay, we have the heavier dinner after the sauna. Right. Sure. Just makes me think I've been doing things wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and like these kind of relaxation periods that I don't feel like we really have. I really have here in the states. Yeah. But. you you are also very dedicated to to 
three meals and particular meal times. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> that sounds nice, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Listeners, if you have any experiences you want to add to this, we would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and thank you to both of these listeners for writing in already. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.